encourage you to take your Bibles, open up to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, verse 1 is the theme or the key verse for the message. It says, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And so, uh, hey, listen, uh, we need to pray for all people. Just a, a universal incluso. Pray for everybody, right? Even the people that stole our Christmas lights out in the front yard this week. Even the people that try to attach their pornography links to our videos. Uh, that happens more than you know. And uh, so we've got some faithful people back there that uh, watch for that kind of stuff. You're only bringing the judgment of God upon yourself when you do such things. But, um, you know, when I was asking, who in the world steals the, the nativity light off the front of the building? And my wife had a good answer. She said, someone who needed Jesus. And uh, so, listen, they need Jesus a lot more than we do, um, even though we have him as our Lord and Savior. Uh, so we will be praying for all people. So we're in a series tonight. Um, that, uh, as we go through, it's called Facing Practical Realities While Pursuing the Great Commission. Tonight's specific message is entitled, Praying for Souls, Praying for Souls. Now, if you're in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I want you to go back to chapter 1, uh, verse 18, and I'm going to start reading there, and then we'll go down uh, to chapter 2 and uh, read verse 8. So this was Paul to Timothy. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest wage a good warfare. Holding faith in a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Chapter 2, verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, to be testified in due time, whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not." A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. So tonight, our proposition that we want you to walk away with remembering tonight is to pray for souls. But let's look in our text at uh, four thoughts tonight. Let's look, first of all, at the priority of prayer. We find that in uh, the first verse of chapter 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, this is a priority. Uh, first of all, that phrase indicates that prayer is the most important part in the public worship of a church. It's sad to say that in many evangelical churches in America today that prayer does not even occur. There's music and there's a short message but very little prayer. Um, we need to pray. 
So as I say that, let me just encourage and invite and exhort our congregation to come on Sunday morning at 9.15 before Sunday school and have a time of prayer uh, to pray for all people. We've had people showing up every week. That's encouraging um, because we were doing it on Wednesday night and we had a grand total of zero showing up. So to have people showing up before Sunday school every week, now that's progress. That's encouragement. And so let's keep doing that, but more of us can show up uh, because prayer needs to be a priority. Um, I had a little saying in my uh, office uh, about prayer. I think this is just an anonymous, unknown author of this little saying. It said, no prayer, no power, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power. Prayer needs to be our first disposition. Uh, Patrick Morley, in his book, A Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines, 12 Habits to Strengthen Your Walk with Christ, and I have used that book with uh, men here in our own church. Uh, I even took uh, a high school uh, young boys, uh, actually they're not young boys, they're men, young men in high school through this book. And uh, when we got to the chapter on prayer, this is what Patrick Morley says. That the making of prayer as a priority is one of three vital characteristics of a praying man. Prayer is so vital that it is victory in spiritual battle. Go back to verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, that thou by them mightest wage a good warfare. The devil does not like it when a church is a praying church, when a church prays for souls. We must remember that sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is part of our spiritual armor the shoes of the gospel, but it's also accompanied with the overarching command above all of the pieces of armor, above all, praying for all the saints. We need prayer. I think this is what will bring revival to Calvary Baptist churches, what will bring revival in our own hearts, will bring revival to our churches in California and throughout the United States. We need to be a praying people, a priority of prayer. I exhort that first of all, prayers. And it is spiritual warfare. And so it is prayer that covers all of the pieces of armor in a soldier's service. Now, God is not going to call you to do something that he does not equip you to do. Prayer is one of the least natural things that comes to a Christian. Matter of fact, Romans chapter 8 tells us that we don't have the ability in the flesh to pray. That's why the Holy Spirit in Romans 8.26 makes intercession for the saints helping our infirmities. In the King James, it's plural, but in the Greek, it's singular. Our infirmity is that we just can't pray. And so we don't like to 
fulfill or obey this particular exhortation that Paul is giving to Timothy as he's pastoring the church, we have to have the help of the Holy Spirit to show us what to pray for and how we ought to pray. So the fact that the Holy Spirit has set his seal upon us is proof that God will see us through the battles ahead. He which has begun a good work in you will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. So let God work in your prayer life. And so Timothy was to use the word of God as a sharp two-edged sword to overcome Satan. And Paul encouraged all Christians to use the word of God to overcome Satan. But above all of that is prayer. Prayer is expressing faith in God. Look at verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience with some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Do you remember the Lord Jesus in the Gospels when he said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Do you remember that? How many of you remember that statement? Raise your hand. Give me a nod. Okay. In context, Jesus is teaching on prayer. When he comes to earth, will he find people praying? Will his church be found as a praying church? That's staggering to think about. That's one of his warnings to us. Him coming back, keep on praying. Don't give up in your prayers. So prayer is expressing faith in God. The word faith here has the definite article. It wasn't just a reference to their personal faith, but about the faith, the Christian faith, as looked upon as a revelation Um, that some people have made shipwreck in their lives. Now, shipwreck, um, this last week in Israel. Uh, Now, you know I love archaeology and and, and so forth, but off the coast of uh, Caesarea uh, Maritime in Israel this last week, they found two shipwrecks. They found a Roman shipwreck, and they found a Byzantine shipwreck. The Roman shipwreck had a very interesting find. Uh, It was one of the first evidences of first century Christianity. Um, It was a gold ring with a round inset, and it had a shepherd with a lamb on its back. That ring may have been a pastor's ring. I thought, ooh, what a good idea, you know. Uh, That's a good ring. Not that it's gold, but just the idea of carrying the shepherd, carrying the sheep uh, upon his back. And so shipwrecks, though, usually leave treasures at the bottom. And when we forget to pray, prayer sinks and goes to the bottom, and it's forgotten about. And the ship goes down. So we need to realize the priority of prayer. Um, Now, also concerning Uh, the faith which they have abandoned, referring there to a good conscience. Uh, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Um, I can't think of the reference right now, and I really can't even think of a whole verse Uh, But I know it's in the book of Hebrews, and I memorized it uh, several years ago. It it talked about um, that God is going to be uh, faithful 
to reward us, that God is not unjust to forget our work and our labor of love which we have shown toward his name, and that we have ministered and do minister to the saints. Um, This week, I sent a text to a friend and said, I am just praying for your family today. And I got an unusual text back. It said, thank you for laboring in that way. I said, well, am I really laboring? But I was praying, and it was sincere, and I do pray for that family often. Um, But we cannot forget that God answers prayer. Um, In one of the commentaries I was reading this week, um, there was a pastor who had uh, four children, and they they grew up, and three of them departed uh, from the Lord for many years. And uh, the pastor lived to his 90s, and he prayed faithfully for his children, but his prayers were not answered during his lifetime. Uh, But at his memorial service, uh, two of his children returned to the Lord, and God answered his prayers. Uh, Then there was another story of a missionary family who was having trouble with one of their children, and they uh, did not know what to do uh, for the child. And so they thought, well, let's send them to a boarding school. And the child um, would go out and take long walks in the jungles of Southeast Asia and sit and meditate and finally came to the conclusion, I'm not saved. I need to be born again. And that was an answer to the parents' prayers. So the priority of prayer. Now let's look at... uh, Chapter 2, verse 1, let's look at the second half of the verse. Let's look at the pattern of prayers. Praying for souls, the priority of praying for souls, and then let's look at the pattern of praying for souls to be saved. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, we know what requests are, right? Where we ask things of the Lord. Uh, We know what prayer is. Prayer is talking to God or praying to God. But it's really an act of worship, not just an expression of our wants uh, or even our needs. And so there should be reverence in our heart when we pray to God. Now, this word intercession, now this is very interesting. And I hope that tonight as you listen to this, um, the way that you intercede for people the way that I intercede for people, the intensity will be heightened tonight. This is very important. So the verb form of this word means to fall in with a person, to draw so near as to converse in familiarity. It doesn't mean just intercession, the accepted sense of the word of just praying for somebody, but rather to approach God in free and familiar prayer. Um. To make intercession for somebody has the idea of to intervene, to interfere. It's not that the Holy Spirit pleads on our behalf, but he throws himself into our case, uh, taking part of it. In Hebrews 7.25, it's not that our Lord is ever living to intercede for us, but that he's always ever meeting us at every point in our lives and intervening in all of our affairs for our benefit. And so... We interpose ourselves. This is the prominent idea. We as Christians are to make prayers a factor in our relations to all men. 
In other words, when you're praying for somebody, it is your business to throw yourself between them and God and to lay out before God their case, to take upon yourself with such fervency, with such intensity, the burden that another person has that you carry that burden and you throw that burden before God, you're so familiar to God that you can pray openly and frankly for that person to God. So it's not just, you know, hey, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to intercede for you. No, it's, I've got your best interest in my heart. And I'm going to lay myself out before God and I'm going to just share my heart. I'm going to pour it all out, lay out that case before God. And then thanksgiving. Do we stop to thank God for answers to prayer? Most recent answer to prayer that I've had is that God would send us guests. We had lots of guests today. And praise the Lord for that. Uh, we've had returning guests. Praise the Lord for that. And so I was thanking the Lord in advance that he would answer the prayer. But do we stop to say thank you, God, in advance for the intercession? It's the prayers and the requests that we make for other people. And so this is an important ingredient in our prayers. Um, David in Psalm 103 didn't even make requests. He just prayed with thanksgiving. Have you ever taken five minutes just to list out 10, 15, 20, 25 things that you're thankful for? And that you didn't even take one request to God, that you just were thankful. So prayer and supplication, petition with thanksgiving. Uh, this is even a part of Paul's formula in the New Testament in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Daniel, who was a great prayer warrior, practiced this kind of praying. Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 and 11. All right, let's look at our third point. The people for whose souls that uh, we should pray to be saved, all right? Now, the scope of prayer is universal, including all kinds of sinners and saints, all right? But all kinds of sinners and saints. Pray for leaders, for all those that are in authority. This word means that someone is held above us. Elevation, preeminence, superiority. All right, I hold to conservative views of things, but I'm just going to exhort us as conservatives. We need to pray for liberals, right? We need to pray for conservative policymakers. They're not much better, right? uh, We need to pray for all of those that God has lifted up above us. Um, a lot of times we run our mouth and we criticize and we put down, but have we ever lifted them up? in prayer to God. These people need our prayers. Now, there's going to be, I guess what you might call an artillery motive in this, uh, that we might lead a quiet and a peaceable life. We'll see that in a minute. But um, do you know who your city, city council members are? Do you know who your county council members are? Do you know your state uh, and national representatives in Congress and your senators, do we pray for these people to be saved? 
And so these are people that we pray for, but then we just pray for all people. Now, a couple weeks ago, and I'll put more of these out, and there's even one pinned to the board back here. Uh, it's called a FRANS list, and, and that's a little uh, an acronym. FRANS stands for uh, Friends, Relatives, Associates, Neighbors, and Strangers. These are the different kinds of people that we can pray for. Friends, Relatives, Associates, Neighbors, and Strangers. That takes in all men, all kinds of people. That there is no person on earth outside the influence of believing prayer. Right? Every single person must be prayed for, can be prayed for, should be prayed for. So we have no example of exhortations that say we should pray for the dead, however. Okay. So living people. Um, we would have good opportunity if Paul or the Holy Spirit wanted us to do that. But we should pray for the unsaved and the saved, for people near us and people far away, for enemies as well as friends. Those are the people for whom we pray for. Right? God is still in the business of saving souls. Um, I remember when I was a student, one of the sayings, Dr. Bob Jones Sr. was it takes evangelistic unction to make orthodoxy function. If a church is not exerting itself evangelistically, it's not going to be able to function. It's going to die. It's going to shut down. And so prayer energizes our evangelistic effort. Can I challenge you? Can you make a list of five people and if you can come up with five right away, then I challenge you to make a list of ten people. Pray for five or pray for ten people that need to be saved. And as we head into 2022, start praying for them on a regular basis. Um, share with your brother or sister in the Lord to pray with you. I challenged you last week, find one person in this church to partner with in prayer to pray for souls. So get a prayer partner and start praying over your 10. If they can come up with five um, and you have five, that's 10. If you come up with 10 and they've got five, that's 15. If they come up with 10 and you've got 10, that's 20. But watch God work through your list and see people get saved. We have wonderful opportunities here at Calvary Baptist Church to pray for people. Awana families, school families. We really don't even have to leave our property to share the gospel. But we have to start building relationships with the Iwana families and with the school families. We've got to start praying for them. Pray for open doors and opportunities to share the gospel with them. But yes, you can pray for strangers too and neighbors and acquaintances at work. Well, the basis of prayer um, if we read verses 5 through 7. So let's go back and look at verses 5 through 7. For there is one mediator, I'm sorry, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. 
whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ, and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. Um, prayer is based upon the person and the work of Jesus. So, would it be right for any government official to tell a chaplain they cannot pray in the name of Jesus? Would it be right for any city, county, state, federal authority to tell a church they cannot pray in the name of Jesus? Well, what you're essentially telling a Christian if you can't pray in the name of Jesus is you're telling them you can't get your prayers answered. Because there's only one person who can answer our prayers. And that's the Lord Jesus. And so he is the mediator. He's the one who takes our requests, our intercessions, our supplications, and our thanksgiving. He's the one who takes them to God. It's based upon his work. And so between a holy and a perfect God is Jesus Christ. And he stands as our mediator for his failing children. One of Job's complaints in the Old Testament was that there was the absence of a mediator who could take his message to the throne of God. He said in Job 9.33, There is no umpire between us who may his hand upon us both. God, boom. Human, boom. I'm bringing you together. All right? And so that's part of our ministry is to bring God and wayward people together in prayer. We're to intercede in, in the model of Jesus Christ. Remember the, the, the pattern of prayer? Intercessions? Well, we've got to get God and man together. How we do that? Pray for them. And believe it or not, that's when people start getting saved. No other person can qualify. It's Jesus Christ who goes before he is the umpire between God and man. In his perfect life and substitutionary death, he met the just demands of God's holy law. He was that ransom for all. He paid the price to free a slave. His death was on behalf of all. So we can pray for all people. Hey, listen. Yes, you can pray that we might discover the elect, but until you discover who they are, you pray for everybody. Right? God will forgive you if someone gets saved and you don't know that they're elect. Right? Pray for all men. So Christ died for all men. God is willing for all men to be saved, not just some men to be saved. How does God uh, do this? How does good news get out to a sinful world? Well, God calls and ordains messengers who take the gospel to lost sinners. Paul was such a messenger. He was a preacher. He was a herald for the king. Good news, good news, good news. And so he took that gospel. He's an apostle. He's one sent with a special commission. In that sense, we've all been given the great commission. He's a teacher. Um... We're all supposed to be teaching, whether it's in our home or in our church. We're all teachers. The same God who ordains the end, the salvation of lost, also ordains the means to the end. Prayer and preaching 
of the word. All right, we know Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Um, what comes by hearing? Faith. And what comes by the word of God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by... All right, so here's a little uh, axiom. Here's a little formula. The more that a word, the word of God is preached, it's heralded by a local church, the more people will be saved. Plain and simple. No gospel proclamation, no salvation. Little gospel proclamation, a little salvation. A whole lot of gospel proclamation, the more can come in. And so, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so God ordains uh, the means to the end, which is prayer and preaching of the word of God. All right, let's close this out by looking at the places that we should pray um, for souls to be saved. And so let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 8 says this. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now, um, does that mean that if you were either a Mercury or Apollo astronaut, did you?